Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. The year is 2019. Sarah and Brandon are in Cincinnati getting married. Emmy is watching the pets. Or is she? No, she's not, because she's decided to show up half-naked at their wedding, waiting in the woods. As Sarah and Brandon dance, she brings Brandon over to the woods and leaves him with Emmy. They have outrageously gay sex because Emmy was still... Wait, had I started transitioning at that point? You have. I already started transitioning at that point! (laughs) Never mind. I'm so excited for where this is going, though. Then, Emmy turns into a giant woofer and howls at the moon, even though it's still daytime. And she can't see the moon. And she loses Brandon forever. (laughs) The end. Aww. I'm sorry that I married Brandon before you could. But, I mean, you are a lesbian, so... (laughs) I don't think you wanted to marry Brandon. It's not about the desire. It's about the principle. Which is? He was mine. Emmy, what year is it? It's 2021. What are we reading? Breaking Dawn. (laughs) It's 2021 and we are still reading Twilight. Yeah, we still... This isn't even the last book. I totally forgot that Midnight Sun exists. The whole reason we started this. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh my God, we're almost done. Like Breaking Dawn is going to be done pretty soon. We're almost there. And then I was like, we have a whole ass other book to read. And then I also committed to reading the gender bent version of Twilight so that I could give you the rundown. Yeah, I'm like, I, I can't. I know, I know. We had talked about, like, maybe we'll do it, maybe we won't, but instead what it's going to be is I'm going to read it, and then we're just going to have a fun little episode in which I explain it to Emmy to the best of my ability. I need, like, a solid couple books (laughs) in between if I was going to read that. Yeah. I was thinking that maybe we could come back later, have, like, it be some kind of, like, goal- Like, once we reach a a certain number of streams, we come back and read it or something like that. But, you know, we'll just, we'll do, I'll I'll read it for you. Maybe we can save that for the novella, The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner. Because that's also very short. So that would be very easy for us to do in just one episode. What should we, uh, what should we save the special occasion should be when we reach 178 in a country other than Australia in the book <laughs> chart. That had me laughing so hard because I got the message from uh, Pod Status or whatever that was like, "Hey, so you guys are number 178 in books in Australia." But that's also on iTunes. And I don't check the iTunes analytics very often because the website is basically broken. We can keep this, but we need to cut parts of it. Okay. Otherwise, people are going to be like, why am I listening to 15 minutes? (laughs) We can also just start over if you want to. I don't remember the intro. Oh, I remember the intro now was you wanting to steal Brandon. Yeah, I'll just cut out little bits and pieces of this. That's fine. That way they have like. But I'm gonna leave the general... us talking about cutting pieces, so they'll be like, "What did I miss?" No, no, no. I was gonna say keep this part. <laughs> keep the part where we're talking about cutting a bunch of shit out. It's just gonna cut straight from me us talking about Australia to being like, "Yeah, cut most of that out." Yeah, it's, we can't do that. We we can't it's make just, them listen to 15 it's minutes too of long. that. <laughs> we can't make it. I mean, can you imagine listening to 15 minutes of people moaning? It'd be really weird. I watch porn. That's for a different purpose. We're coming here <laughs> for our wonderfully insightful views on literature. Of course. Uh, not to masturbate furiously to us. 
That's a good point. I also don't even watch porn. That was not even true. <laughs> I read porn. Is it Mothman? <laughs> no, it is not Mothman. Uh, would you like to start talking about Breaking Dawn? Because we're going like to get to sex scenes. We're going to get to read about the sex. Are we? Not really. It's a lot of fade to black. Fade to black. I see a red door and I want to make... Sorry. Honestly, okay, reading this made me want to read Sarah J. Mass's uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Because it's another young adult fantasy series, but there is so much fucking in that series. And it's like actual fucking too. The characters are all like 19 and older though. So it's not weird. Questioning my choices to leave sex out of my book. Okay. <clears throat> all right. So. Chapter four. It is chapter four. And this is also my chapter. That, as I was about to say, I didn't write this <laughs> no, summary. No, you didn't. <laughs> Why are you asking me to start so, talking about the books? So. Edward and Bella step away from the party to dance together, but are interrupted when Jacob arrives and wants to dance with Bella. When Bella tells Jacob she's going to fuck Edward on her honeymoon, Jacob begins to react violently, but is stopped by Edward and a few of the wolves. This makes Edward second guess the sex for some so reason. I'm really glad that you explained this portion because i was try like i was reading and i was like wait why is jake all this like he was perfectly calm about everything and now he's upset just because they're talking about it more what i i did not make the connection in my mind between it's not between it's going to be a real honeymoon and that meaning we're going to yeah. have sex. I just was like, I, I did not read into the subtext of that properly. So I was just like, what the fuck is he so upset about? It's all because of Stephanie Meyer needs to imply that they're going to fuck without actually her saying, no, we're going to have sex. Like we're going to like, and it sucks because it's like, I don't know. Bella is a very sexually awakened person. Like she's been wanting to have sex with Edward since the first book but for some reason they still feel the need to like dance around the fact that bella wants to have sex with edward which is very silly because i also want to have sex with edward yeah i didn't need to know that did you, do you want to have sex with edward or do you want to have sex with robert pattinson Ooh, you know it's Robert Pattinson. Okay, that's what I thought. I watched this Kristen Stewart horror movie called Underwater. Did I talk about this in the last episode? You did. I you, did. You were going to watch it. Oh, yeah. I watched it. Um, It was good. She, I mean, she was amazing in it, as she always is. She brought the whole film together, and her character was absolutely incredible. Um, She also ran around most of the movie in her underwear. Actually, that's a lie. It wasn't most of the movie. That she was in her underwear because she's in this giant, like, underwater, like, pressurized suit for most of the movie. But when she's not in that suit, she's in her underwear because it's tight fitting. So she, like, can't. I don't even remember. Oh, I think I remember seeing the previews for yeah. this. Is this, the, is this we're in that giant facility underwater yeah. where they're scientists? Uh-huh. Okay. I remember seeing the previews for this now. It's really good. I mean, I really liked it. And it's, I wouldn't even, it's technically a horror movie. But, like, it's definitely, like, way more sci-fi than horror and more, like, of a thriller, like, an action. Like, they're constantly running. Like, it literally starts right out the gate. She's in, like, calm mode for maybe two minutes. And then it's, she's, like, brushing her teeth and then everything goes crazy. So, I thought it was really good. And um, I don't, why did I bring that up? Because, man, I also want to have sex with Kristen Stewart. <laughs> Both uh, Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. You got, like, the Bella sex drive. <laughs> I really do. And I've been sick the past few days, so um, I am, like, in the mood to be comforted in the loving arms of Kristen Stewart. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So... I'm getting real, like, Bella's martyr complex was already insufferable. Uh-huh. But 
the fact that she's still insistent upon throwing herself upon her sword when Jake freaks out about something is past, like it was past the point of being reasonable before, but now it's past the point of being believable. Like, or me being able to swallow it. Yeah. Happening within the story and not seeing it as a significant problem yeah from the message it sends because it basically because... sends the message that like you shouldn't say anything that ever might trip off a dude in your life because he's gonna get really pissed yeah she is responsible and not just like responsible for all of jake's feelings and reactions but is the one that needs to be held accountable for everything that he does and says yeah and i'm just like what the (laughs) this is this is too much it is really upsetting (laughs) this is where you need somebody to come in and sit her down and be like it's not your fucking fault and people have told her that but like it needs to be a serious thing where they like spend a chapter addressing it and making her realize that, oh, it's really not my fault. Yeah. At this point, it's become, like, a real issue. Like, before I was like, oh, she's just being annoying. But now I'm like, is she really that deep into this headspace that she thinks it's her fault? Like, it's not her fault that she exists and he's in love with her. Like, you can't, like, I don't, it's so stupid. It's like telling girls that it's their fault when they don't like guys back. It's literally, like, building on the nice guy complex of the, like, oh, if I'm her best friend, then she has to fall in love with me. And then if she doesn't, it's her fault that I'm mad. And then if she has a happy life without me, it's also her fault that I can't accept that. Yeah. Which sucks because Bella is just trying to enjoy the fact that she's about to get dicked down by her hot vampire husband. And she can't because the hot werewolf wants to dick her down. To be fair, the line about her having a real honeymoon is a lot funnier with the context of it being about really what she's saying is, I'm about to get fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to have sex. All right, Alice and Esme help Bella change out of her wedding dress at the end of the party. Bella says goodbye to Renee and Charlie and decides she won't be able to see them again after she has changed into a vampire because it would be too much for them. As Bella and Edward head for the airport, Bella hears a sad wolf howl in the distance. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about the sad wolf. I'm glad he's sad. I want him to yeah, cry. Yeah, I'm just like... Oh, is that supposed to break? Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. She's driving off into the sunset with her hot vampire husband who's going to dick her down. Like, this is like having, uh, fuck, what's the priest's name in, uh, Hunchback? Oh, (laughs) I know what you're talking about, but I do not remember what his name is. Keep wanting to call him Lord Farquaad. That's the guy (laughs) from Shrek. Lord Farquaad. Oh my god, Lord Farquaad was trying to kill all of the uh, mythical creatures. Maybe that is just like a allegory for the death of gypsies in Notre Dame. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, point being, we'll just go with Lord Farquaad because I can't remember his name from Hunchback. So um, it's legit like Lord Farquaad crying. And it's supposed to be a dramatic scene because he didn't get his nice Romani lady. Oh, yeah. The Romani lady that he tried to murder multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. Like, in the Disney version, there was no rape. This is trying to tug at heartstrings that don't exist. Oh, yeah. You can have a sympathetic villain. Like, I'm not saying that they don't exist. But Lord Farquaad and Jacob Black are not it. No. Jacob ruined all sympathy long ago. Yes. But the aside from that, I just hated this chapter because it was so much fluff. Yeah, there's just look. nothing going on. I'm okay with fluff. I really am. When I'm writing my book, first of all, I cut out a lot of fluff. 
already when I did my initial revisions. But even still, I'm like, I want some fluff because you want to have some moments where the reader's able to just enjoy what's happening in the scene. Yeah. And like, because there's, when, when you're reading a book, sometimes you just want to see these interactions between characters that don't mean anything because you just, you, it makes you happy to see it. But you have to execute it well. And as with everything else that Smyre does, she is incapable of executing it well. Yeah. So it's all this, like, she paints this picture of the scene and everything that's happening. But because the setup for this love story is so shit at the base of it, the fluff has no real emotional impact. Yeah. And it's like, you have this great picture of what's going on, but it's like, I don't... Yeah. I don't care. I feel like this was meant to, like, have an air of, like, oh, we're finally here. We finally made it to Bella and Edward's wedding. They have known each other for a year and a half. And they were broken up for, like, eight months. I And I, I'm worried that, like, part of it is just my adult brain yeah being able to function on teenage brain level for this but I'm yeah just like, no this doesn't and work <laughs> I think I've said this ad nauseum because I love young adult fiction with big bombastic feelings and devotion and love and stuff like that because I know that it exists I fell in love with the person that I'm married to when I was 18 we didn't get married until I was 23 but that's beside the point um it's just that this is unbelievable. Like, it's it's yeah, not yeah. that I don't think that a 17 or 18-year-old can understand the depths of true love. It's just I don't think that Bella does. I don't think that Edward does. I don't think that anyone in these stories really does. I, it's shallow. It is. This, everything in this book is too shallow for this fluff to be justified. Absolutely. And I will say that I do enjoy their relationship a lot more starting like five chapters into Eclipse when Edward started getting his shit together. And so there's a lot of parts where I can be like, oh, well, that's sweet. But it still doesn't make up for the fact that we had two and a half books of absolute nonsense and toxic buildup. And look, I don't want another two books in this series, but you needed another two books after Eclipse to fix things to justify this fluff happening. Yeah. I would have loved if there was like a book after Eclipse that was like trying to mend the fences and trying to figure out like how do we even fucking go on after everything that just happened in Eclipse? Because it felt like there were a lot of problems that were brought up not solved just because they there was this big battle that was coming up and then at the very end of whatever book came after eclipse the vulturi were like never mind we are just gonna kill you and then the last book was them having to deal with the vulturi threat because that would make so much more sense than this like awful messy tie-up that we have hell not having victoria in the in eclipse and having it actually be cullens versus werewolves Trying to work shit out and then yeah. moving Victoria to book four mm-hmm. and having it be with the resolution between vampires and werewolves that ends up them working together and then have it go into book five where you have the marriage and the vulturi problem. Or even if you did have <clears throat> the Victoria like vampire army in book three, but she didn't show up for the fight. Like she just hung back because she was hoping that they would just be able to take care of it. Yeah, so, like, the werewolves and vampires had to finally stop the fighting and come together to yeah. beat her army, but then she's still a threat lingering on the horizon for book four. Yeah. Would have been much better. But, nonetheless, we had to resolve, like, every single issue in book three. Like, the scene where, oh my god. Okay, so do you remember when we were reading my fan fiction? Yes. And there was that scene where like all of the the characters just like suddenly became friends and were okay with each other. She did that. She did that. And that's probably where I got that idea from was reading that scene because when when Jacob and Alice were talking and Alice was like, "Oh no, that's a great idea. You just come fight with us." And then all of a sudden it was like, "Oh, all of the tension is solved and we're all just going to fight together." And that's fine. It's just like that's, my fan fiction. 
so like we still get tidbits in the early part of this book where the werewolves are like Ian Collins, some of them. But then, like, she had, like, Seth is good friends with Ed at this point. Yeah. And and Bella's like, oh, so the vampires and the werewolves can be friends. Which kind of undermines that whole thing we were, like, what we talked about before, like, well, why can't Ed and Jake just, you know, be decent people? And Ed yeah. ended up being a decent person about it. But, like, and we were like, well, maybe it's because it's a natural inclination they can't do anything about. Oh, but... No, apparently not. It, yeah. They're entirely capable of not being dicks. Oh, yeah. It's a choice they made. It was manufactured tension by Stephanie Meyer so that there would be a reason for Jacob and Edward to hate each other other than just they both want to fuck the same girl. <sighs> Chapter five, though. Chapter five, though. Um, so the long... The, <laughs> the long beds... The long <laughs> I've like me some Pepperidge Farm. Uh, the newlyweds make the long journey to their honeymoon getaway. <laughs> okay, so here's the problem. I took off my glasses and I need to just put my glasses back on. <laughs> okay. Because I'm trying to read and I don't have my glasses on and my screen is a little distance from me. So. Okay, okay. They go on a very long and arduous journey backpacking. <laughs> Uh, from the northern United States uh, down into the ocean. Did not know Ed could walk on water, but he can. Do they do that, or do they just get on a plane? Okay. They get on a plane. Um, But it begins in the lovely city of Houston. Um, Ed ends up taking Bella to a private island off the coast of Brazil um, known as Isle Esme. Uh, and he invites her to go swimming and goes out into the ocean nude, um, as you do. And then Bella has a mini panic attack inside because of all the lingerie that Alice packed for her and what she should wear out into the ocean. And ultimately she just decides to go tits out. Yeah. I mean, she's about to go fuck Edward, like, in the ocean. Why would you put clothes on? He's naked. Just go be naked. This is the least sexy build-up to a sex scene I have ever witnessed. This, okay. I have two big things with this. Okay. One, this is the least sexy build-up specifically because they have committed the gravest sin known to man when it comes to sex and that is not having premarital sex (laughs) because if you have premarital sex guess what happens you don't have this problem on your honeymoon yeah of being terrified and you know what you can go have nice private island ocean sex and you're i don't have sex in the ocean actually don't do that but you will get an infection so don't do that but it can be nice and romantic and sexy because you know what? Having sex doesn't have to stop being nice and romantic and sexy if you like the person and they're attractive or you find them attractive. However, yeah. that whatever that means for you, just do it before marriage. There's a good reason to do it before marriage. Work your shit out. Make sure you're sexually compatible. The last thing you want is to find out that you are not sexually compatible that your husband was hiding having a micro penis. That which is not I'm not saying that nobody can be happy with a micro penis, but if he was hiding it, that's a problem. And imagine how much sexier it would be if this scene instead of Bella having a panic attack in the ba- on the floor of the bathroom. Yeah. If it was instead about her already being confident in herself because they've been together and being like all sultry wandering into the moonlight in the private ocean seducing him like that's so much better yeah (laughs) i am a heavy advocate for premarital sex i had a lot of it and i promise you it did not sour my relationship or make getting married any less fulfilling it honestly just meant that we knew each other inside and out all of the things that make each other happy including the physical stuff and I, I don't want to, like, 
talk too much about my sex life on the podcast, but like they have, know your fetishes already. Sarah. They do. Having sex with your partner, if having sex is something that is important to you before you have made a commitment to them for life is so important because there's a million little things that can go wrong if you don't do that. Specifically, like, if you have no idea how to even have sex before you go into marriage, you're never going to have any kind of expectation for how good it's supposed to be. I was going to say, even if you don't think you care that much about sex, you should still do it before marriage. You might care way more than you think you do. Unless you're asexual, in which case, like, don't force yourself to have sex. But, like, if you care about sex at all, because your outlook is probably going to be different after the fact that it was before. So, when Brandon and I started dating, and you'll attest to this because you were there... Um, I thought I was asexual. Like, I definitely thought that I was asexual. Spent a lot of years saying that I was because I was very afraid of having sex. But then a few months into dating Brandon, I was like, I was really happy and I was really in love. And I just like, I did it as a gesture of of how I felt about Brandon because I knew that he was going to want to have sex. And I wasn't like super into it, but like, I loved him so much that I wanted to try. And now I'm a horny bitch. Like, I didn't know that it was going to matter to me before I did it. And can you imagine if I had sp- like spent all of my time just like waiting around to see, we might not have ever gotten married in the first place because a huge part of what makes us work is a level of compatibility in like every aspect of life. It's not just personalities. Like, you can't... I I hate to say it, but, like, for the most part, you can't build an entire relationship on just your personalities. No. Ignoring the fact... I always say you have to have compatible sex drives. And that can mean having somebody that's asexual with somebody that isn't asexual but just doesn't care that much. Yeah. They have a lack of a sex drive. But that's still about the sex drive. You have to, that's an important compatible piece of the relationship. Unless you're into polyamory and are cool with that. In which case, you're good to go because you can find somebody else. It's, uh, I I feel like, and I feel like this is really highlighting a problem with a lot of young people. Specifically young people raised in heavily religious households. uh, Where they're told that they cannot experience one of mankind's simplest pleasures until after they get married. Especially for young women. Because female masturbation is so stigmatized. And people, like, look at you funny if you talk about the fact that girls masturbate. Dudes can orgasm whenever they want. But girls are, like, looked at funny if they if they do. And so, you know, when you're a young woman and you have a boyfriend who wants to marry you and you're told that you cannot experience sexual pleasure until after you are married. I mean, that's why 50%, that is why 50% of marriages end in divorce. That is why. It's because people choose incompatible partners purely because they are racing to the finish line of being allowed to have sex. I mean, there's a lot of other things that go into it, but that is one of the biggest issues. I'm sorry. I have a lot of thoughts on it, obviously. (laughs) You have thoughts and feel. Look, my feelings on sex are that Alice's obsession with Bella wearing lingerie would have been so much more enjoyable in book one before I started disliking Alice. Oh, yeah. She is just them. annoying at this point. <laughs> yeah. And it sucks because she was great in book one, but like she was caring, she was open, she was nice. And at this point, she's just, oh, that quirky sister who gets whatever she wants and just, like, pushes people around and is occasionally funny. Like, I don't know. I don't like her. (laughs) I don't like Alice anymore. I don't like her anymore either. And she has a weird obsession with Bella's lingerie. Yes. Very odd. Very odd to be buying a lot of lingerie for your brother's new wife. Unless she wants it. Your garter. Oh yeah, that was awful. Oh, the garter scene. They actually, she actually like wrote down the garter scene. Yeah. I was just like, why? Uh, It was bad. (laughs) Ed took 
So Bell was like, I specifically slid it down my ankle, uh, and he pulled it off with his teeth very carefully and just beamed it at Mike Newton. And I'm just like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I forgot ooh. about that. Oh, my no. God. <laughs> so much of this is bad. So, like, Ugh. ignoring the fact that it's just fucking weird and creepy to get begin with, the last thing I would want to do if I was had a gun to my head and was forced to enact this weird ass ritual would be to shoot the piece of lingerie that was on my new wife's leg all night into the face of the man who wanted to fuck her for the past <laughs> two years. That's so fucking weird. I hate it all. Can we, can we, can we, can we move on? Can we go I on cringed. to the next scene? I cringed when I read Houston. Why? Why do you hate Houston so much? I would, okay, so it's not specifically Houston, because I haven't been to Houston. It was just like, at first, I was like, my brain knew, like, yeah, they're not going to Texas for their honeymoon, but as soon as I read Houston, I was just like, ew, why would you go to Texas for your honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> they could come see us. Oh, good, I can listen to Bella talk about all the bad things she's done to people in her life, <laughs> and all the reasons she deserves to die. And I can just stare at her longingly. <laughs> Look, if it was Robert Pattinson and and Case too, I would gladly allow them to visit. Absolutely. Rob Pat, because it would just be funny to talk to him. Did you ever Case watch that too. video I sent you of him being completely unhinged during a vi- during an interview? Yes. Okay, good. Because I think about that video at least once a week. <laughs> Case two would also be funny. But yes, also I would enjoy. She's also very her. funny. She's much more mellow than Robert Pattinson is. But both of you can come visit us, please. We would love also, to have you. Uh, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey oh. Plaza can come visit. Yeah, but she's not it would be a like blast. she's not like in in this movie <laughs> in these movies. No, but at she all. would be a great person. Okay, to talk to. got it. Okay. So, um, anyways. Ocean sex. There's no ocean sex. It just fades to black while they're in the ocean. And um, we've been building it. to them fucking for four books, and you finally get to the fuck scene, and you're just like, "And I walked into the ocean, and then what?" And then Bella wakes <laughs> up, uh, still lingering in the afterglow, uh, which is very impressive considering neither of them have had sex before. Uh, look, let me, let me tell you people, um, generally your first time, your first few times, uh, when both of you are inexperienced, going to be a little weird, going to be a little awkward. That's okay. Not going to be the best. That's okay. But you shouldn't expect it to be. Mm-mm. It's a learning You gotta learn. Um, but yeah, she wakes up in the afterglow and, uh, Ed ruins it by being upset because he left her covered in bruises. Uh, and they're... Also feathers literally everywhere because he bit pillows apart. <laughs> um, and they proceed to fight because Ed is harshing Bella's mellow. And then he makes her breakfast. And tells her that they will not be making love <laughs> any longer on the, on the trip. Stop! And it's I everywhere! I hate must... it! I loved that you specifically mentioned that they wouldn't just outright say anything about sex because this is the first time that they have and it's Ed calling it making love. Just say having sex. Look, I am not opposed to the term making love, to the phrase making love. It's so cringy. I'm just like, I'm not opposed to the term lovers. (laughs) I know you hate them. But I don't have a problem with them as long as they're used appropriately. Yes, I, yeah. Ed saying it made me cringe again. It hurt me to read. It's so bad. And it's made worse because after three books of them not just saying sex and then him saying making love within like the first page or two of the next chapter... They, she just uses the word sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. It's so I, I think 
younger people who are more sheltered and especially people who go into these kinds of relationships with like a lot of high expectations and thinking that this is some sacred act. And I'm not saying that it can't be. Um, they really believe that like saying having sex or just saying fucking is like removes romance from it. And it doesn't. It really doesn't. When I was younger, I used to overuse the phrase making love because I always believed that just saying having sex was like too primitive. It was too uh, vulgar. It like it didn't it didn't symbolize what I was doing, which is, you know, being in love with my boyfriend. But it do, it's just it's sex. It's it is the most primal thing a human being can do outside of shit and eat. Like I was going to say outside of ripping the heart out of another man yeah, while it's still beating, but of course. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, if you're with your partner and you know, you don't think that saying having sex or fucking is emblematic of what you're doing. Um, I need you to know it is because that's what you're doing and it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't make it any less romantic. Put on some music, light some candles, have some sex. It's fine. If you're a large percentage of the population, you know what you're doing. You're putting your PP in the VJJ. So what's going on? Yep. Getting the PP in your VJJ. And it's wonderful. If you're, Feels if you're great. A smaller portion of the population, you're putting the PP in the pooper. <laughs> if you're, <laughs> you're a different putting the fingers in. The, yeah, I was gonna say if you're, if you're a different small portion of the population, you are fingering each other aggressively. Aggressively. Maybe you have a strap on. And that's beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> My God. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Uh, I'm on Bella's side on this one, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, God damn it, Ed. You were killing... Like, all I could imagine was, like... It was giving me anxiety to read this scene. Like, this is some of the one of the biggest emotional impacts this book has had on me. Or this series has had on me. Because I'm just like, all I can... I can, like viscerally feel the expectation of this wonderful morning and the letdown of your partner just being pissy oh yeah it's so just bad shut up. just shut the fuck up some people like getting a little roughed up ed yeah it's okay. and so we listen the audience knows that i'm a monster fucker right like i want i i want to fuck a werewolf mothman alien man and I, I enjoy, I enjoy it. I enjoy, I, I like it on the rougher side. If I woke up from a night of ecstasy with my hot vampire husband and I had bruises, I'd probably just be like, nice. Sick, bro. That's great. I like, honestly, it's like, calm down. Like, I get that there's bruises, but she's not even complaining about it. If she was upset about it, I'd understand him being upset. But, like, it's... Yeah, but she's like... There's just bruises. I don't give a shit. It's fine. He's like, but Everybody I gets give bruises. a shit. I give a shit. Yeah, well, Ed, we don't give a shit that you give a shit. Get over yourself. She had fun. Because <clears throat> of you. So, chapter six. And your diamond dick. Oh, God. Uh, Edward tries to distract Bella from sex with a bunch of fun activities, which leads- Like sex? Yeah, no. <laughs> Other activities, apparently. Which leads to Bella eating and sleeping a lot. She keeps having nightmares about the vampire child, but doesn't tell Edward about them to keep him from worrying about her. She wakes up one night from a steamy dream and finally convinces him to fuck her again, this time with less bruises and broken pillows. But not- without a broken headboard oh I yeah after this scene that iolesme was going to be renamed into pound town <laughs> uh and then pound town would be destroyed by the pounding we haven't gotten to that point yet but emmett says later on that when he and rosalie went on their honeymoon they destroyed an entire cabin with their sex but they were both they were both vampires. So like This is where I must note that I really, really thought that there was fork sex during their first sex scene. And now I'm 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 hedging my bets on one of two things. Because I thought it was a cabin too. Either one, 
I mixed up different scenes and stuff in the book. Yeah. Um, including the stuff that Emmett says later. Option two, it's post-Bella changing. And it's the first time they do it post her changing that it happens. There's a cabin on the property that the Cullens own that Esme has fixed up for them. Yeah. Okay. That's what, because that's why I remember it. Okay. I don't think I'm crazy then. I think it was just after her change. I don't, I don't remember (laughs) if they fuck on the floor, but like, it's possible. I know that it happens in a cabin. I don't know if it's on the floor. Bella and Edward watch a movie, and Edward realizes the cleaning staff know that Edward is a vampire. They think that he is a blood-drinking monster who preys on beautiful women, and that he is not good for her. Okay. I have some reservations, number one, about this because of the location, but I'll get to that in a second. And first, I'm just going to touch on the fact that he says it's because they're more superstitious than other people, that they have expectations of what he is, what he really is. It's completely believable at this point that Smyre has failed to write consistent good characters because it's become increasingly clear that she's never met a real human being. Yeah. Um, these motherfuckers climb over each other to find the craziest explanations they can possibly come to for anything out of the ordinary or that they think is out of the ordinary. Yeah. The Cullen's existence would have been analyzed to such a stupid degree by everyone around them by this point. That this is not at all the case. Number one. Number two, it really bothers me that she, it's only minority groups <laughs> that keep being the superstitious people that know what they are. <laughs> oh, she's, I mean, does she think, is it because, is it because she like thinks poorly of minorities or is it because she's like, white people are oblivious? They just look at other white people know. and they're like, yeah, seems normal. You know, the, all the white people in Forks just look at the Cullens staring at the walls and never eating any food. And they're just like, seems legit. Seems like a white person. <laughs> seems like a white person. But then all of the brown people are like, are you motherfuckers kidding me? They stare at the wall and they don't eat or speak to each other. What about that seems normal to you? This thing, like, if it's, like, these stupid white people, I'm like, okay, at least that's kind of funny, though. That is, yeah. Because it's white people, like. But definitely she is portraying it as though the minorities are, like, oh, these, like, crazy Hispanic people are, like, suspicious of the Collins. But they're it- right, though. It's very noble savage esque, uh huh, in its delivery, and I, I don't like it. I don't either. Stephanie Meyer has never treated minorities with respect in this series, literally at all. Um, I've seen much so, worse, but like, it's still not good. No, no, but you know, what else is there? We don't expect. All right. Chapter seven. So, uh, Bella wakes up from another one of her fun dreams. Ed is gone. Um, and for some reason, she wanted to murder people in the dream this time. Specifically the Vulturi. She wanted to murder the Vulturi. She got all carnal ragey on him or something. Um, so she ends up trying to make herself some chicken, but that just makes her feel sick because she thinks the chicken's bad, but it's white all the way through, but it tastes really bad. And the oil makes her nauseous. And for some reason, she keeps thinking the chicken's bad at that point, which honestly, the first conclusion I would jump to would not be pregnancy. And she doesn't, to give her credit. Yeah. But food poisoning is also not the first conclusion I would jump to if my sense of taste is off and smells that don't normally bother me are making me nauseous, I would immediately assume I was 
coming down with something. Yeah, for sure. That wasn't food poisoning from the chicken that I just took a bite of. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really how food poisoning even works, but you know. So, uh, the next morning, uh, Ed makes her breakfast and then she gets sick, sick again. Uh, and at this point, the Pink Panther theme song starts playing in the background. Um, while Bella starts to try and detective for half of a chapter over what's happening to her. Um, and the conclusion she comes to is that Ed is an incubus and has given her a case of the pregnancies. Oh my God. Um, so she ends up, she feels the baby. Ed breaks. Um, Alice calls. Carlisle, uh, is going to rip that thing out of Bella. Bella decides she just wants to be a mommy. They gotta go fast. And then the locals show up and they fight over what Ed is. So bad. So, um, aside from the fact that Bella has never, ever, 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 ever once mentioned even wanting to be a mother, she now suddenly feels inclined to keep this child that she doesn't know whether or not she will survive carrying. Um, and I understand, I understand that maybe there's some supernatural thing that is making her want to keep the baby, the fair babe, uh, because they later reveal that they can't even get the baby out of her because the thing, like the uterine wall is rock hard, which is ridiculous. Um, but, like, Edward wanting to get it out of her after also saying that he was sad that she wasn't going to be able to have a baby. I, I just, like, it's manufactured tension. Once again, Stephanie Meyer is creating tension where it doesn't make sense for the tension to exist. And it yeah. makes everything just feel stupid. Because that's, like, Carlisle's going to get that thing out of you. And Bella's upset about him calling it a thing. And I'm like... I'm pretty sure, like, I understand Ed thinks they're a monster, but if he got somebody pregnant, I don't think he's the type of person that would jump immediately to calling it a monster because it's his child. And I think, like, based on his personality, he would not be capable of calling his own child, even if it was part vampire child, a monster. Yeah. And so his immediate reaction would probably be more like, we need to figure out what the fuck we can do. Yeah. Now, I can't get pregnant. I never will experience pregnancy. So I guess that it's very difficult for me to be a judge of the emotional response of a pregnant woman. Uh, because I will literally incapable of having the emotional response. But when you've never wanted a child... I can believe that you'll end up wanting the child if you get pregnant with it anyways. That's not hard for me to believe. But to immediately switch over just seems implausible to me. Yeah. And maybe that happens. But she's like, it's like a hard break where she's like, we're going to make it through this okay. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure you're yeah. okay. Yeah. just like, after <laughs> After agonizing the past like book and a half about the fact that she doesn't, want to get married and like the same way that her parents did like getting married and settling down and like having a family like immediately out of high school because of the way that like it's the kiss of death or whatever she's now like she got married and is now pregnant with his child two weeks after getting married and she's like oh great got a family like what i'm sorry what so fucking weird and it's Nothing just like makes sense i absolutely like i'm gonna have to get past it i guess if i want to even slightly enjoy this book but the stupid fucking lore behind half human half vampire babies that stephanie meyer makes up in this book drives me fucking insane it doesn't make any sense that it would work the way that it works also why the fuck of all the times that Bella has been incapable of remembering important details immediately when when she needs to, did she remember this random... Okay, first of all, incubuses are very well known as yeah. the counterparts to succubus. 
succubi. So I, I don't understand why this wouldn't just be common knowledge anyways. But the fact that she immediately remembered something she researched almost two years ago in the middle of the night and was like, oh, it's this thing. Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. She couldn't remember a very important conversation that she had with Jacob, but she does remember that random Google search. Sorry, we don't know if it was a Google search. It was on her favorite search engine. Um, maybe she used Yahoo. Maybe we she used Yahoo. Know. Maybe she's one of those bitches who uses DuckDuckGo. <laughs> um, but you, y'all thought I was going to say Bing. Ha! Got you. Bing wasn't even around yet. <laughs> it was or not. DuckDuckGo certainly wasn't around yet. It was Google and Yahoo and maybe Ask Jeeves. Maybe she uses Ask Jeeves. She used AOL. Oh yeah, for sure. I just like, I hate everything about the stupid magical lore that Stephanie Meyer makes up for the half human, half vampire babies. It just makes me upset. And honestly, I wouldn't even care if it was like, oh, it's a baby. Like if it was just a human baby, because for some reason, Edward still has come in him and he can make a human baby. I literally wouldn't care if it was just a human baby. I like the fact that she tried to logic it out by saying that like Rosalie and Alice can't have kids because their uteruses literally are frozen in time. Yeah. But a male vampire can still impregnate a human female because they don't have those same processes. I'm like, but they're still you do realize there are biological processes that have to occur for sperm to be produced. Like, if you're going to try and explain it, you have to actually explain it all the way. I would have liked it as well if she had said like, oh yeah, and Alice and Rosalie still had a period for like 30 years after they changed, but then they ran out of eggs and so it stopped happening. Because that's actually how your physical process works when you're a woman and you have periods, is that you literally just have periods until you have no more eggs. That's just, that's, that's how it works. So if it was like, oh yeah, so like the physical components are still there. It's just that it can't, their, their bodies can't physically change. So they were still bleeding out the eggs because the eggs were still there. But then once they ran out, they just ran out and there was no more eggs. And so, you know, but it makes sense because it's the same for human males where you continue to produce semen your entire life. Yeah, this I, I find this this alternative completely acceptable. The the explanation she gave just made me angry. Yes. And once again, if it was like, oh, because he continues to produce semen, he can make a human baby with a human female, I would be fine with that if she got pregnant with a human baby. But because Stephanie Meyer tries to create her own little fantasy creature, and let me just say, I don't have an issue with people making their own rules surrounding vampires, werewolves, what have you, as long as it's done well. The problem is the reason that this exists, the reason that she made the half vampire, half human baby at all, and the process that it goes through in, through its birth and aging, such that it ages super fast until it just stops aging, is because she was trying to give Jacob something to fuck. Like, it's, she didn't, she, the reason that it all seems so haphazard and stupid is because she felt like she needed to give Jacob a consolation prize in the form of Renesmee. And that's why it's all so stupid. Imagine fucking somebody named after both, named after your ex-girlfriend's mom and her new mother-in-law boyfriend's mom. Yeah. It's all terrible. <laughs> And I wouldn't have had a problem if Stephanie Meyer was just like, oh, I wanted them to be able to have a baby. And so then they have a baby and then they have to raise the baby. And if that is somehow, and even then the Volturi could still step in because now they have an actual baby. I would say it would actually be a lot more interesting narratively to deal with the consequences of vampires attempting to raise a human child. Yes. And it would have been more entertaining, more compelling. And Jacob doesn't have to imprint on the baby. It's okay. We don't have to have the baby imprinting. But that was seated in the previous book when Quill imprinted on a baby. So, um... Oh my god. What if it started a whole new group of vampires where, like, they... So she comes of age and then she goes and finds a male vampire 
and fucks them to get pregnant, has the baby, and then gets turned into a vampire like Bella, and then she raises that baby, and that baby, it's like this whole new. That would be so interesting. I don't see, I don't see the Cullens participating in something like that. No, but, but it's like a cool once the information is out there that like vam- that like vampire boys can have sex with human females and have babies and then like basically create their own family and their own like lineage, I could see that becoming like a really interesting like plot line but that's not how it works because stephanie meyer wanted to create a baby who would become an adult super fast so that jacob wouldn't have to be a fucking pedophile for too long too long too long jacob doesn't even deserve the consolation prize he doesn't he doesn't i don't understand why we felt like we had to have a consolation prize at all like it's so stupid i hate it there are so many problems with it, but like at the center of it, she's solving a problem that doesn't even exist because Jacob, like on the surface, doesn't deserve anyone. Yeah. But below that, definitely has ruined any goodwill that would make somebody think he deserves something. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> One of the things they bring up later is that <coughs> Jacob was never meant to be with Bella. It was always like it was written in the stars that he was meant to be with her her baby. He just wanted to fuck her eggs. And and now I bring to you this question. What if Bella had ended up with Jacob? I think we talked about this before. Yeah. And so but then now it's they had a, lot a baby. More relevant. Yeah. And then they had a baby. And then he imprinted on that baby. God. Smire, what the fuck? <laughs> These are the implications of what you wrote. Yeah. It's not I even like I'm just making up shit to make it. it up. You know, this isn't a case of, have you ever seen the rain where we're just making shit up to be funny? Like the very real implications, because Bella even says that she could envision a very happy life with Jacob, including having children with him, marrying him, growing old with him. Look, all I'm saying is our lore is just as accurate because we both know that before Alice called and had to get Carlisle on the phone to deal with this whole mishap, he was right in the middle of tangling mustaches with Charlie and he was very upset that he was interrupted <laughs> over this weird baby scare. Absolutely. I mean, Bella and Edward are out of town. Bella's not in the house. Charlie had just finished getting his garden back up and functioning. And then Bella had to go and piss off Jacob. And now Jacob had to go and piss on all the peppers. (laughs) Again. I like our new version of things because everything else is just terrible. The amount of times that we have like for free rewritten Stephanie Meyer's books so that they are either funny or actually logical. We deserve compensation. No, it's like I, at this, the best part is that like at every book we come to, we could take everything that came before it as bad as it was and still make it work yeah if we were just given the reins to run the story oh, yeah. for that book but we never were i know we never will be it's so we'll never funny have that opportunity. that's what i was just thinking about is like every single book is like we have several moments where we stop and we're like okay if we cut out everything that comes after this and we end it right here with this, or if we continue the story on this line, here is how it could be good. But of course, like we know that that's never going to happen. We're wasting so much creative energy on these terrible books that we cannot fix. It's just, I think of it like writing exercises. Yeah. You know? It gets my blood flowing. I want to, like, release a free PDF file in which we go through and we just write down all of our theoretical, like, plot lines that could have fixed this book series. And we just release it to our listeners and And it goes book by book. Yeah. like, if we started with Twilight, what could we have done with Twilight? And where would the series have actually ended up? Yeah. If we kept Twilight what it was and started an eclipse, 
Yeah. What could we have done from a cl- or start with New Moon? What could we have done with New Moon? Just like starting with each book, what could we have done? I still say that the better that the best one that we've ever come up with was Bella falling in love with Jacob in New Moon and Edward becoming the villain. Oh yeah, that would have been that would have fit everything that already happened in the story because he was such a piece of shit. Yeah. And saved all the other characters. Yeah. It would have been so fucking beautiful if at the end of all of it, Bella was able to face Edward and say that, like, all of the things that she... Like, if she... if Because Jacob could build up her confidence and have her actually understand that just because she idolized Edward and had bad self-confidence doesn't mean that it was all true what she thought of him. And so if at the end she could finally face him, like right before Jacob like rips his head off and just be like, you were never good enough for me. And then it's just like the end of of Edward Cullen. It would have been so good. It would have been so good. It was before Alice was ruined, too. So maybe she comes back, tries to help things. She can't because she can't see any future involving the wolves, but she's still there trying to be helpful. And imagine, like, there's so many plot lines that still can happen after Ed dies. You could still have Victoria happen. You can still have the Volturi get involved because Victoria happens. I like Edward being the final boss, though. Like, I like everything else happening first and then her having to face Edward as, like, the final, like, fuck that, you. That is the end after Victoria and the Volturi. And yeah, everything. after, because she's like, because when if, if Edward tries to come back at the end of New Moon and she's like, no, leave me alone. But then she's still left to face the wrath of Victoria on her own or not on her own, but with the werewolves. Oh my God. What if Ed slowly like you, where like you have the person that's a decent person that slowly getting taking things further and further so that they don't see how fucked up and evil they've become. That could be Ed. Yeah. If he came, I would like to imagine that he would come back and try to help with the fight with Victoria and then be like, see, I care about you. I'm here for you. And her still being like, no, like, this is not what I wanted. I never asked for you to come back. In fact, I told you to stay away. And then him leaving, maybe still going to the Volturi. But then instead of them killing him for whatever reason, you know, but that still tips them off to the fact that Bella knows about vampires and so then the new issue becomes oh the vulturi knows that i know about vampires and me and the werewolves have to have a standoff against the vulturi but then at the end at the end of all of it the final boss is just edward the rest of the collins can fuck off like they can just go off and live their normal life edward was always the odd one out i was gonna say what if they actually help like they carlisle still made packs with the werewolves yeah just like Edward's gotten out of control. It would have been nice if the if the vampire army plot wasn't Victoria. If in New Moon they Ed. killed Victoria and just her, like she didn't have a chance to go off and create the army. Eclipse was just them having to deal with the Vulturi, knowing that she had knowledge of vampires and them having to find a way to defeat the Vulturi. And then the the fourth book was them having to deal with the vampire army that Ed builds. Ed Ed builds a vampire army just because he's so pissed off that Jacob stole Bella from him. Yeah. Because he sees it as... Hell yeah. Not as a betrayal on Bella's part, which would still be fucked up, but as Jacob taking his woman. Yes. Oh my god. If the final book was them having to face off against Edward and his vampire army. Like if Edward played the Jacob role in Eclipse and was basically like trying like in the wings, like trying to get her back. And she was like, no, I have to fight the Vulturi because you outed me to them. And now I either have to be a vampire, die, or we have to defeat the Vulturi. And And the Cullens could help army in the background he's trying to win her over and then he like has this whole plan to like what gaslight and lie to her and convince her that the vampire army was never him to begin with when after he wins her back and they come in and slaughter the werewolves 
Oh my God. I would fucking love if he just like, if the plot was that he shows up at her house and is like, there's a vampire army building in Seattle. I got to protect you. Like if I turn you, then they won't be able to get to you and all this stuff. And her just being like, no, I think if there's a vampire army, I'll have my gang of werewolves help me out here. Oh my God. Especially because they think that it's the Volturi building the army. Yes. Because they, they're like, well, the Volturi might just be trying to... Nobody would suspect it's them because they have to follow the rules. So maybe they're doing it. And so Ed uses that and lets them think it's the Volturi doing it so that they can come and kill Bella and take out the Cullens. But then at the end of book three, when the Volturi show up to kill Bella because she has the vampire knowledge and they realize that there's no vampire army coming for them with the Volturi, they're like, where is this army coming from if it's not the Volturi? And then boom, it's Edward. And the final book is them having to face off against Edward and his vampire army. And then at the end, Bella just gets to be with Jacob. All right, rewritten. You're welcome, Stephanie Meyer. We fixed it. (laughs) We wrote a much more compelling story than anything you ever wrote. (laughs) In five minutes. I I literally said we did it in five minutes. minutes. And you get to keep your first book. And most of book two. You get to keep your first book, most of book two. And you still get to keep some of the main concepts from the rest of the series. Yes. Amazing. I'm proud of us. We did a good job. I'm also proud of us. We did so good. That's the end of this episode. It is. If you if you want to experience more of us, you can find us on Twitter. We're at 2020pilot. <laughs> this is why I do that. Do it, do it, do your thing. Follow us on Twitter at 2020 Twilight Pod. Emma's at M of Many Names, and I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020 Twilight Pod. We are also available on iTunes. We don't get a lot of streams over there, but apparently we're the 178th biggest book podcast in Australia. And if I cut out the entire beginning of this episode, none of that will make any sense to you. (laughs) we'll be back next time with chapters eight through something of of the chat with preface and chapter eight through something we don't even fucking know anymore of breaking dawn i don't know i'm gonna have to go look at the little chart that i made um we're gonna be in jacob's perspective going forward and i gotta tell you i don't fucking wanna (laughs) please no but uh but that's it that's the end we'll see you next time Bye, bitches. Bye.